We're going to do uh, part one of a two-part sermon today. There's so much going on that I had to add two sermons, so it's kind of like a mini-sermon series inside of a sermon series, a sermon series-ception, if you will, uh, today. Whether you realize it right or not, we are actually in a sermon series, in a sermon series right now, and I'm going to try and plant ideas inside your head. Not very many of you have seen the movie Inception, so I'm going to run away from that joke right now. Um, the name of our two-part mini-series is called Friends with Benefits. Friends with Benefits. Uh, now, most people, first of all, that's a weird title for a church sermon, and then most of you, when you think of Friends with Benefits, you think of the cultural use of the term, which is a friend, casual friend, who you occasionally have sex with. Just so you know, we're all on the same page. That's not the way I'm using the term today, okay? That's not actually what we're going to talk about for the next two months, uh, or two months, yes. <laughs> whether you're interested or not, Um, two weeks. So the way I wanted to find a friend with benefits um, is that that person should be your spouse, right? Not supposed to be some late night you up text, okay? Unless you're texting your spouse, which is across the bed. Um, This should be the person you vow to spend the rest of your life with. It should be your forever friend with benefits. So maybe I should switch the title to forever friends with benefits. Uh, And the idea, actually, believe it or not, I think the idea of a friend with benefits actually comes from the Bible. Uh, So whoever invented that phrase, they stole it from the Bible. And I find two verses where I feel like the idea of um, a two-part relationship with friends and benefits, uh, the first place I find it is in Song of Solomon which if you've never read it, is a really uh, good book of the Bible, uh, a little bit racy, um, but it's a story of uh, a man and a wife kind of going back and forth poetically, so it's really cool. I just want to show you a super short verse out of there, Song of Solomon 5.16, it says this, he is my lover, my friend, my lover, my friend. So the wife in the story is saying that her husband is not just one thing, he's two things to her, he is her lover and her friend. He is her forever friend with benefits. There's friendship, there's sex, there's fun, there's romance. Both are present in this relationship. Friendship and romance kind of being like two wings on the bird of the relationship. Uh, Now, the other verse goes all the way back to the very, very beginning, the very first marriage in Genesis 2, chapter 25. It says this, now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Um, It's just a tip if you're ever doing any kind of like speaking, giving a talk to people, one of the things you want to do is you want to try and get people's attention in the very beginning of your talk. And one of the ways, there's a lot of ways to do that. One of the ways to do it is to say the word naked. Um, so if you say the word naked, then maybe people will pay attention. It's really important to keep people's attention naked when you're trying to start a sermon because naked, you really want them to pay attention because if you lose them naked, then you won't have them for the rest of the time. So now I have your attention. This says that they were naked, which is, sounds awesome. Um, and... It's, it's two, right? It's, it's two different ways that they're naked. They're naked physically, uh, obviously, and then it, it kind of points this idea of being naked emotionally as well, doesn't it? There's a physical connection, but there's also an emotional connection as well. They were lovers, but they were also friends. There was sex, but there was also this relationship where they were free to be themselves with no cost. And that uh, is really the picture of what a marriage is supposed to be, friends with benefits. And uh, I actually feel like that's the way God designed it to be. It's supposed to be one of the sweetest relationships that you can have that has both of these things working together. So the reason I needed two weeks is because we're going to talk about friends this week, and we're going to talk about benefits next week. So this is your fair warning, first warning. Next week's going to be PG-13, okay? Um, So unless you want to have awkward conversations in the car ride home, please do send the kids to G-Kids, because it's going to be 
We just speak openly and candidly. I, don't, I won't use the word intimacy. We'll say it's sex because that's what it is. Um, next week. Sorry, kids. Um, all right, friendship. Friendship and marriage. Last week, we talked about like the four horsemen of the apocalypse of your relationship, right? And how those four things can kill your relationship very quickly. Uh, but friendship is more subtle, right? A lack of friendship will not kill a marriage quickly, uh, but it could slowly starve it to death. Uh, if you're more roommates who occasionally have sex than genuine friends, your relationship will eventually rode away. Or worse, it could be a ticking time bomb, right? So uh, if you're not friends with your spouse, the big danger is that they will find friendship somewhere else, right? And if they find friendship with someone of the opposite sex, and I'm not saying that that's uh, a super wrong thing to have friends of the opposite sex, but if you're not friends with your spouse, and you go and find a friend of the opposite sex, then you, you have something with that person that you don't have with your spouse, and that could be a really dangerous thing. It could lead to an emotional affair, which could lead to a physical affair, which could lead to the end of your marriage. So I do think friendship could, a lack of friendship could be a huge problem. So I want to share a quote from this guy named C.S. Lewis. You probably never heard of him. Um, but it's actually a quote. It, it, this is interesting enough. I don't 100% agree with what he says here if you put friendship in the context of uh, a marriage relationship. Um, but he's kind of making a general statement about friendship. But I wanted to kick it around a little bit because it's got an interesting concept inside of it. Um, so here's what he says. Friendship is unnecessary. Like philosophy, like art. It has no survival value. Rather, it is one of those things that give value to survival. Now, that might be a little confusing to you. So what he's saying is, like, so if there was a zombie apocalypse and you had to go find some shelter out in the woods to live in, um, it wouldn't matter if your shelter had uh, a, a piece of art on the wall, right? That wouldn't, that wouldn't help you survive more, right? Uh, you're either going to survive or not without the art. With the art, it doesn't matter. It would give value. The reason you have art on your walls is because it gives value to it, and you kind of just like the way it looks and just increases the value of your life. But it's not going to help you survive. Now, what he's saying is that friendship is one of those things that you can survive without friendship, but your survival is better <laughs> if you actually have friends. Now, if you put this in the context of a relationship, I do think that your marriage relationship uh, has a if you're friends with your spouse, right? And I just want to point out, we've all seen couples that have been married a really long time and they don't even like each other, right? We all like know those people, right? And that's just, I think it's sad, right? That they, they don't even want to be in the same room. Like they, they, for some reason, have never officially ended it, but they're just not friends. And I don't know, like I, ladies, I just don't get the impression that when you were a little girl, you know, growing up, you're like, oh, I just can't wait someday to, you know, be roommates with Prince Charming, right? Like you want, you want something more than that. You don't just want to like be around each other and tolerate each other. You actually want uh, a friendship. So one of the things my wife and I say to each other pretty often, is my wife in here or is she in the nursery? Okay, I'm good. She's in the, she, I'm so safe. Thank you. Now I'm going to say nice things actually. Um, one of the things we say to each other very often, instead of I love you, we say I love you, um, but we say I like you to each other. And I know that's kind of dorky and a little bit elementary school. Um, but the reason, the reason we do that, <laughs> and maybe this is wrong, but like I think, well, I have to love you, <laughs> right? Like I vowed before God and men to love you. So like that's not really a question. But, uh, you know, like is just a different, like is kind of an in the moment thing, right? And she's actually said to me before, I love you, but I don't like you very much right now. And I earned that. 
I earned that. But um, when she says, I like you, that means we're like enjoying the relationship we're in. And I think it speaks to our friendship. And I really, uh, I think that's an important thing for us. So um, the goal is not to just love your spouse, but to actually like them. Um, Augustine, St. Augustine gave this definition of a friend. He says, uh, it is to make conversation to share a joke, to perform mutual acts of kindness, to read together well-written books, to share in trifling and in serious matters, to disagree, though without animosity, just as a person debates within himself, and in the very rarity of disagreement, haha, uh, to find the salt of normal harmony, to teach each other something, or to learn from one another, to long with impatience for those absent, to welcome them with gladness on their arrival. I think that's a really... Sweet definition of friendship, especially if you put it in the context of a marriage relationship. I think that would be a cool relationship to have. If you have this kind of a relationship, you enjoy it, right? If you don't have this kind of relationship, you're reading this going, that would be nice, right? This is, this is what we're after here. So friendship with your spouse is going to take intentionality. You're not going to accidentally stay friends with your spouse. It's not just gonna happen, right? There's gonna have to be a level of intentionality. You're gonna have to fight for friendship in your relationship. I believe that friendship will come easy at first because that's probably how your relationship started. Unless yours is an arranged marriage, that's cool, but everybody else probably started off as friends and then it went into something else. I think it's gonna be a challenge to maintain that friendship. So I wanna give you three things that will help foster a friendship in your relationship. Three things to deepen a friendship or maybe even maybe we could call it like restart a friendship with your spouse. The first one is super obvious. I'm not gonna blow your mind here. I'm just gonna state the obvious. Um, You need to make space for your friendship. You need to make space for your friendship. Uh, I want to show you a verse that's uh, super familiar if you grew up in church. Um, it's the pastor's favorite verse. I'm going to show this to you. It's, I'm just dropping this in here randomly. Uh, Hebrews 10.24 says this, Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one This verse is saying, hey, you should, you should come to church regularly, right? Um, that's why I said pastor's favorite verse, right? It's in the Bible. You have to come. Um, now, but I like the way it says neglect. Neglect meeting together. Um, because it's the, the principle of neglect, it, it's saying that, hey, this wasn't a conscious choice that these people made. He's, not, he's talking to people, he's like, hey, I know you're not doing this on purpose, but, right? That's what he's saying. He's, he, like, if you stop coming to church, it's not one of those things that when you're sitting down in January, planning out your year, like, hey, so what do you think, like, around January, we just, like, totally stopped going to church? What do you think? No, no. July. July would be better. Let's, let's make it half a year. What do you think? July 4th weekend, we're probably going to be busy. So let's just stop coming after that, right? Nobody puts this stuff on the schedule, right? It's a neglect thing. You, you miss a couple weeks, some kind of thing going on. All of a sudden, you find yourself out of the habit, and then it's even weird to come back, right? It's like, hey, it's been a while, and you're worried people are going to treat you different or look at you sideways, and then it's, you're out of the, you're out. And I think that principle is the one I want to drop into this idea of friendship in your relationship. It's neglect. You're not sitting down with your spouse at the top of the year going, hey, what do you think, like, March, we could just, like, drift apart? What do you think? It'd be a good idea. Like, right? No, actually, can we bump that earlier? I think February is a great month for that. Like, that's not a thing you plan. It just kind of happens. I think couples fall out of friendship You fall out of friendship through neglect. You don't plan it. 
You don't put it on the calendar. And by the way, I like that phrase better um, than when people say they fell out of love. I actually really, really, really hate that. Um, fall out of friendship makes so much more sense to me. Love is supposed to be a choice. It's a thing you vowed to do. It's a covenant. Um, but friendship is something that you can kind of neglect your way out of. You can fade out of. And uh, I think that's really important to realize that without intentionality, you will fall out of friendship with your spouse. So you need to make space. And I think this happens on two levels. Two levels uh, we need to make space. I want to call it a micro level and a macro level. Micro, macro. So um, on a micro level, your friendship will be fostered with your spouse through small interactions, little ones. Um, friendship on drip, a, a, a friendship IV, if you will. Um, little, little things. So, for example, like sending each other texts throughout the day. Send just, just little things here and there. Hey, how you doing? Little stuff like that. Um, for me and my wife, we send each other funny memes, and we complain about things, and we make plans to go live on a desert island uh, together throughout the, the work week, with or without our kids, depending on how they're being, right? So um, we, we do little things like that. Uh, another thing, rarely when we're at home do I walk by her without making physical contact with her in some way. Um, when the kids are around, it's appropriate. When they're not looking, it's something else, but that's for next week. Um, but actually, it's so much so that she can... I, I'm like a horrible uh, card player because it's my tell. If I don't like touch her as I'm walking by, she knows something's off with me. Like I, I got something going on because I'm, I'm like, there's just always an interaction between the two of us. Um, what else? It's just the little things. It's the little, little inside jokes that you've been running for years. You just keep running them. Little stuff like that. Drip, drip, drip. Micro friendship interactions that you're going to keep going constantly because you can't always be around each other. So you just want to keep that thin uh, thread of, of a friendship together the whole day. And then on a macro level, you need to intentionally set some unbroken time together. Your friendship will not grow through microtransactions alone, okay? You can't keep a friendship with your spouse through memes. You can't, okay? It's not memes alone. A friendship does not live on memes alone. That's a Bible verse, right? Um, you're going to need more than that. You're going to need more than that. You need to eat a meal every once in a while. The IV is not going to work. So you need a regular, I would say you need a regular date night built into the rhythm of your relationship. And uh, so I have four kids. I know how difficult this is to try and keep uh, I would actually say more than once a month would probably be better, but I know how hard it is to even get rid of our kids for once a month because um, we keep having them for some reason. That's next week. We'll talk about that. Um, you do. You need un, a couple of hours a month of unbroken, uninterrupted, kid-free time where you can just be friends with each other and interact with each other. Um, so you have to intentionally make, that's not, you're not going to accidentally have a date night. If you have kids, you're not going to accidentally have a date night. If you have a busy schedule, you're not going to accidentally have a date night. You're going to get so busy. You're going to run through the month and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, did we like see each other this month? And that's what's going to happen. You're going to neglect this thing. So I want to ask you, how's it going? How's your, what's your micro friendship look like with your spouse right now? Those little interactions. How could you be a little more intentional there? What about the macro? When's the last time you had a date night? You got to put it on a calendar or it doesn't exist. doesn't exist. So how can you, in your context, not neglect your friendship? That's the first thing. Distractions. Eliminate distractions. Uh, look at these verses in Proverbs 4, 25 through 27. It says this. Uh, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. 
So this verse is kind of speaking to focus, right? The first point we're talking about neglect, where you just kind of accidentally let things go. This one's talking about focus. Focus. Don't allow these other things to get in the way of your friendship. What hypothetically do you think would possibly get in the way of your friendship with your spouse? What do you think could possibly be a thing? Hold on a second, guys. I got to check something. What do you think could be maybe something that would stop you from connecting and distract you from connecting with your spouse? Anything? It's really hard to have a friendship with the back of somebody's phone, right? This Apple logo is cool, but it's not that cool. I think this, when you're apart, can be a great tool to keep you somewhat connected, right? You can. You can text. You can do these little things. It can keep you connected. But when you're together, man, this thing flip to the opposite side and become a major distraction for friendship. So I get it, right? This is like your portal to the world, you know? Text messages, emails, notifications, cat videos. Distraction as well. And you know what this thing does? Uh, I think it really hampers those micro-friendship interactions when you're in the room. So, so here, here I'll, I'll be real vulnerable with you. I'll share a fight me and my wife have pretty consistently. It's when we're driving in the car. So we have four kids in the back, so normally... Two of them are fighting at some point. Um, and, you know, we're distracted, we're busy, so we're just driving along and we won't be talking and then one of us will pick up our phone. <laughs> the passenger, the passenger seat will pick up their phone, <laughs> um, <laughs> to clarify. And uh, we fight about that because, and it, we both do it. And usually the defense is, well, we weren't talking, right? We both say this. But what happens is once that phone is picked up, there's no chance of a conversation happening, right? She's not going to see the deer that just walked across the field, or we're not going to be able to together make fun of how big people's political signs are. You know, like you won't have those little micro interactions because you just ensured that your attention is now elsewhere, and we're not going to be able to share just a casual conversation. So this thing, it kind of locks you down. You don't realize how much it's putting a damper on your friendship. So I dare you, to ask your spouse how they feel about your phone usage. I dare you. I don't want to. You're going to do it. This is, you do as I say, not as I do. Um, and don't do the thing. Don't do the thing, because we do this all the time. I'm being real vulnerable with you guys. We do this all the time, where, where she says something about the phone, and then my immediate response is, well, you're on yours all the time, too. It, again, it's like that, uh, like we talked about last week, well, I'm wrong, but you're wronger. Like, oh, well, good job, buddy. <laughs> like, that's really good. Good defense there. Like, don't do that. Just say, hey, is is, is, is this phone hurting our friendship? Another distraction, so I think a phone is a major one. Um, another distraction is these things, uh, they're called kids. I don't know if you guys have heard of them. I love my kids and I love parenting with my wife. Um, but it's hard to have a conversation in the chaos of children. I have a three-year-old who will randomly walk up to me with a toy gun and stick it in my face and tell me to put my hands up at any time of the day, no matter what I'm doing. Um, I have a nine-year-old son who will walk into a room already in the middle of a sentence and expect me to have every idea of what he's talking about and what he's doing and, and almost commanding attention. Me and my wife could be having a total conversation. He just walk up. It's probably something about Minecraft or something, and here we go. Like, that's the kind of thing that constantly, constantly happens. Um, so not conductive, uh, conducive to a, an adult conversation. So I think one of the big things we're working on with our kids is trying to uh, make them not interrupters 
Okay, I think every child is both born a sinner and born an interrupter. Okay, it's two things. The Bible forgets this one, but they're, they're born interrupters. You have to actually train them out of it because, and it's a selfishness thing. I can go all the way to the, the root of the problem is that they think that the world revolves around them. So they walk in and they're like, what? Why are you talking? I was gonna talk to you. You shouldn't be talking right now, right? So I think you have to kind of push them back out. One of the things my sister did, which is really cool, um, she had a kid who was really bad at that. So she started this thing where she would tell him, hey, if you have something to tell me, I know you can't not. So he would go up and just like put his hand on her shoulder or put her, his hand on her leg to let her know that he wanted to talk to her. And then she would take a pause and address him. It was really cool. Um, my kid just puts a gun in my face, but it's the same, same kind of thing. Uh, trying to get that, train that out of them. And don't be those parents who let their kids interrupt. It's the worst. It's the worst. Um, one more distraction uh, is just the stress and busyness of life right? That's just, just the general low din that is always happening. So let me ask you, like, do you come home every single night exhausted? Do you come home every single night, like, kind of irritated at the world or kind of in a daze? Second question, do you think those states are good states to build a friendship in? I don't know. Nobody really wants to be friends with somebody who's staring off into the distance kind of like this. Like they just experienced some kind of shock. Or, or nobody really wants to be friends with somebody who flies off the handle at the drop of a hat, right? It's kind of hard. It's kind of an, an unbalancing thing to be friends with. So if your life is structured in such a way that you are always frustrated or exhausted, man, I would say you need to do whatever it takes to change that. Whatever it takes to change that so that you're not coming home every single night fatigued or frustrated. And you could say, well, how do I do that? And I would say, I don't know. That's not what this sermon's about. <laughs> but it's to the point where I would say this is such a huge deal. If you are in a constant state of exhaustion or frustration, it is going to kill your friendship with your spouse. It'll do a lot of things, but it'll definitely do that. And I would say you need to consider some drastic life changes to fix that drastic, whatever it takes. You can't live like that. Your spouse can't live like that. Get a new job. Find a new rhythm. If your schedule's too jam-packed, say this cool word, no. Say no. But don't throw your hands up in the air and be like, well, this is just the way it is. I'm just always going to be mad. I'm just always going to be tired. I'm just always going to be kind of out of it. Don't, don't accept that. Don't accept that. Do whatever it takes to fix it, because that is a huge distraction to your friendship. So first thing, make room. Second thing, eliminate distractions. Third thing, it's not going to make sense at first, but I'll explain it. Uh, play away games. Play away games is a sports reference. Um, every sports team has a home game and an away game. I'm telling you to play the away game, and here's what I mean by that. Typically, typically, men and women uh, make friendships, foster friendships differently. Okay, typically. Ladies, you go grab a cup of coffee with your friend and talk for a couple of hours and you love it. That is it for you. That is like friendship making the, the essence of it right there, right? Guys, don't do that, right? When's the last time, gentlemen, you went and had a coffee date with your man friend? Probably never, right? 
Uh, guys have hunting buddies. Guys have fishing buddies. Guys have watch the game buddies. Guys have sports buddies. If they do go drink something, it's not coffee. And usually they're doing something while they're drinking it. So um, we don't have go grab a cup of coffee buddies. And what this does is kind of speaks to the difference, okay? So again, typically, uh, men and women will foster friendship in different ways. Women like the face-to-face, Right? That's, that's the way a woman would, would make friends, foster friendships face-to-face. Men are more shoulder-to-shoulder. We don't like to be looking at each other. Okay, We, we, will, we will do this shoulder-to-shoulder. Women connect with a coffee steam floating up between deep conversation. Men connect by shooting something. Okay, <laughs> Finally, you guys are awake. Thank God. You're all like, when's next week start? We, we need to be doing something. So, so what this means is, I mean, think about this. This is really actually a bigger problem than you might realize because if women connect by, by these face-to-face deep interactions and men connect by doing something together, what'll happen is you're both trying to speak the friendship language, but you're actually speaking like different dialects, right? So what'll happen is the woman will say something like, we never talk anymore. You feel this pressure. And then the man will say something like, We never do anything anymore. And you're both actually saying the same thing. You both want the same thing. You want friendship. You just get there in different ways. So what I mean when I say play the away game is that you are going to intentionally play on your spouse's home field. You are. You're going to make the choice to not play a home game, but to play an away game. You're going to go out of your way to connect with them in the way that they are connected with speaking their friendship language. So guys, listen, if this means you go buy a $17 mocha latte, pumpkin spice, whatever, and you talk to your girl for a couple hours, then go stink and do it. Go do it. If it's worth the friendship, go do it. Go do it. Go have those conversations. Ladies, if this means putting on some camo and shooting something, then please just don't shoot him, but shoot something, right? (laughs) Please. Go swing a golf club, go paddle a canoe, go out, go do something with him to foster that relationship, play on his home field. Think about, like when you imagine two people dating, isn't this the thing that you imagine where the husband or the the man who's dating will actually go like, he's going to go drink something that he doesn't like because he gets to be around her, right? And he'll have that conversation, man, talk and talk and talk and talk. And ladies, how many swinging something or you know you're out there doing this thing pretending to like the browns all that stuff when you were dating you did it but now you don't and what i'm saying is you need to get back to this play away games intentionally speak their friendship language and listen i i I say all that now there are some guys in here i'm actually Let's go do something guy. I'm introverted and right now the world's weird. So I just like to sit on my couch and stare straight ahead. But if she's sitting next to me, it's so much better. So um, talk to each other about this. What is the thing that will like actually foster that friendship? You guys gotta have to have that conversation and intentionally be the one who says, let's connect how you connect. All right, ladies, can I talk to the men for just a minute? This is really important and it's to your benefit. So you're welcome. But I want to talk to the men for a minute. Guys, married or single? Actually, single guys, you're welcome. This is going to be really important to you. So pay attention if you're single. This is really good. Married, this might be helpful to you, hopefully. Um, We get accused, gentlemen, of...
is because we aren't good communicators, <laughs> actually. It's, it's true, right? It's actually not a, a false accusation. So um, when you're on uh, a mission to try and communicate better, single guys, if you're on a date, listen to this, this is really important. So um, when talking to a female, uh, it's really important that you listen to what she says. <laughs> it's mind-blowing, I know, right? Um, while making eye contact. Because, two reasons. Number one, it'll help your eyes stay where they're supposed to. Number two, if you're married, whatever. But if you're dating, this is important. Um, two is, you, know, you realize they say, they say that, that communication is like 80 to 90% nonverbal. That's a crazy amount. By the way, that's why it's so hard to communicate with masks. It's not just that it's a muffled sound like this, but it's also because you, you're not getting all the information that you used to get, right? It's actually hurting that. So listen, guys, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta lock in here. You can't be looking. That's why even, oh, I'm paying attention, honey. I, I'm paying attention. No, you're not. You got, you're missing like 80% of what she's saying by not looking at her. You gotta make eye contact. And all those little you know, curls of the lip, little glints of the eye, that stuff all means something. And we gotta learn to be able to interpret this thing. So... There are three levels to communication. This will help. You can kind of put them in categories. The first level, it's like the most shallow level, is just what happened. That's all it is. It's, it's the shallow end of the communication pool. A person got yelled at at work today. An accident on the highway. I, I saw it as I went by. Uh, the kids were insane today. Those are facts. You are like a reporter um, just saying what happened, or the way used, reporters used to be back in the olden days. Um, this level of communication, you can have this kind of communication with anybody, right? Anybody on the street, you can walk up and talk about what happened. Anybody. It is the most shallow uh, form of communication. So what that means is it's not worth a lot. Okay, this is like pennies. Okay, what happened, what happened, what happened? It's just not very valuable. So if you drop one level down, you get into opinions. What do you think about what happened, right? Um, this is just a little bit deeper. It's not just reporting. Now we're into editorial, right? We're getting to what she thinks about what happened. Did that person who got yelled at deserve it? Tell me, baby, what do you think, right? Why do you think that accident happened? Um, what does it mean that our children are crazy, right? Like, like, what is your opinion about these things? Now, if you think about this, this is not a normal stranger interaction, right? You don't normally talk to strangers about their opinions, except on the internet, right? That's like the only place that we do this. In normal conversation, when you meet a stranger, you're not asking them opinions. By the way, check this out. I was thinking about this this week. Um, have you ever asked a waiter or a waitress at a restaurant, um, like, hey, so what's your favorite thing on the menu? Have you ever asked them that? It's interesting, so you should try it sometime, like, because they're all about what's on the menu, but you just ask them a different question. You ask them what they think about what's on the menu. And it actually, if you really pay attention, it changes the dynamic just a little bit. It goes from being this super formal thing to it drops just one level down. You'll really be able to notice it. So try it next time. Like, hey, what would you order if you were me? Like, what do you, what do you think? What's your favorite thing? And it, it's an opinion question. It just drops it down just a little bit. So you got to get there. You can't just talk about what happened. You got to talk about what you think about what happened. It breaks the surface. And then the final, the depths of conversation, the deep end of the communication pool, gentlemen, is feelings. It's what you feel about what happened. What emotions were brought to the surface when the thing happened. You saw this person get yelled at at work. Ooh. 
Okay, so yeah, he deserved it, whatever, but what did you feel about it? Did it mess you up? Were you, where's your adrenaline pumping all day? Did it bring you back to something that happened to you before that really kind of messed you up? Hey, my dad, you stay me, so this is really, it kind of put me in a weird mood for the rest of the day. Did that, that, oh man, you went all the way down there. All the way down there. You saw the accident and you, you imagined what it would like to be, you know, to live without me. And I know that really broke you up, right? Um, the kids were insane. I feel like I'm a bad mom. Right? All of a sudden, all of a sudden now we're way down in the depths. We're talking real, like soul to soul communication now. And this one for sure we don't do with strangers, right? Except for one emotion. There's only one emotion that we share with everybody. You know what it is? Just get on a just get on Facebook. Anger. We share anger like it's candy. We just we just pass it out to everyone. That's the only one though. All the other emotions we keep pretty private. So this right here. This is the big one. So guys, if you're attempting to play an away game and have these face-to-face conversations, um, and you only, I mean, think about this. If you only have conversations with your wife about what happened, she's not going to be very satisfied. She's going she's gonna to say stuff like, we never talk. Like, I, I don't feel like we're, and you're like, we're talking right now, right? You ever did that? You've, you've said that before, and it didn't work, right? Because that's not what she means. She's not talking about what happened. She's not probably even really talking about opinions about what happened, although that would be better. She's probably talking about getting to that final level. And guys, that's where you gotta get. So Adam, you're saying I have to talk about my feelings? Yeah, yeah, Mm mm-hmm. And even if it's just anger, I will be honest with you, probably the most common emotion I share with my wife is I was angry about this or I'm angry about that or this person is this or this person is that. That's probably the most common one, but at least she knows where I'm at. She's like, so you okay or you're angry yep that's my two switches pretty much um but share whatever you can you need and then you need to dig man you need to dig with her too what is she feeling swim all the way to the deep end get out there i think the big reason for this and this is back for everybody so ladies you're welcome um the big the big idea here uh, is in john chapter 15 verse 13 where Jesus says, there is no greater for one's friends. The idea that Jesus is saying is that friendship and sacrifice are related, right? He demonstrated the highest form of friendship by sacrificing his life for us, right? When Jesus died on the cross, that was the greatest act of friendship that could ever be made. And our friendship with our spouse will be marked by sacrifice, you're going to play on their home field. You're going, to, uh, not, you're going to deny yourself. You're going to put your spouse first. You're going to be intentional. And I think that's the word of the day, intentionality. You're not going to accidentally have a deep friendship with your spouse. Over the years of being together, you're going to float apart. Your friendship's going to grow stale. So uh, your homework this week is to be intentional about your friendship, intentional about your friendship, schedule a date night, send some goofy texts, have a conversation, go do something, put it on the calendar, don't miss on this, be intentional, be intentional. Guys, I know I am hyper, hyper aware right now that I am setting you up for a massive fight if you do not freaking follow through. So pull your phone out right now and put it in your calendar. She will at least respect the fact that you were that intentional. If you're going to forget, I promise you we get to next week and you didn't do anything, she is going to be mad at you and you're going to look at me and go, that's my fault. And I'm going to say, no, remember I told you to put it in your calendar. It's on you now. 
okay? Don't miss on this. And by the way, don't miss on this because like we're talking about something good next week and there's going to be homework next week and you want to you get this one right because you want her to get the one next week right, okay? So let me give you a little teaser. Remember, we're talking about sex next week in case you forgot. Um, the bridge between this sermon and the next sermon is this idea, and it's just kind of a concept. Uh, it's not necessarily in the Bible, but again, it's one of those things that's commonly Women need to connect outside the bedroom in order to feel connected inside the bedroom. And men need to connect inside the bedroom in order to feel connected outside the bedroom. Okay? So it's this, you need me to say that again? So men, or women need to connect outside the bedroom in order to feel... By the way, what I mean by bedroom is sex. Um, again, I just want to clarify in case I was like, what's in the bedroom? There's a bed there. Um, you do things on it besides sleep. Um... Men need to connect inside that bedroom in order to feel connected outside the bedroom. And so God made us <laughs> work like opposites, right? Isn't that crazy that God made us kind of wired us to work the opposite? So what that means is God set us up to have to be sacrificial in our relationship. If we both start pulling, we're going to pull apart. If the wife demands, you're not meeting my friendship need, we're not communicating, I don't feel connected to you, therefore I'm not giving you that then all of a sudden he's going to say, well, you're not giving me that. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to have the friendship. And all of a sudden, here we go. But instead, what God designed is for us to constantly try to outdo each other by being sacrificial and saying, hey, I'm going to serve and meet your needs. And then the, it's supposed to be a constant trying to come underneath him. No, 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 I'm going to serve you. No, 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 I'm going to serve you. And that's the essence of a relationship. So this week, friendship, be intentional. Gentlemen, especially you. I warned you like three times. This is like my kids. Like, if you don't do something, my goodness. Actually, I should probably put it on my counter right now, Jim. My counter right now, Jim. She's watching from inside the nursery. Hi. 